Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call our attention one more time to the book of Hosea. This is our last week in the book of Hosea. So uh, again, we're going to do as we've done the last two Sundays in this book. We're going to begin at the end and look back. So if you'll turn to chapter number 14, chapter number 14, each of these sections that we have found in the book of Hosea has given what God had to say about the circumstances that were going on. But each of them was concluded with a hope. God does not just leave us hopeless. Although we saw this morning in the reading of the Psalms, it was... As Brother Charles said, one of the saddest psalms because there wasn't any hope in that psalm. But if you look deep into that psalm, he did make some statements in which there is hope. And one of them was that it was his Savior and his God. If, he, if there was no other statement, the fact that he was his Savior gave hope. But we're going to look at the again we'll begin in verse number one we'll read all of chapter number 14 it's only nine verses we'll look at this and then we'll back up and and get some history and look at some things but there there's some key issues that i want us to look at when we come to chapter number 14 when we get through with the introduction we get back to chapter number 14 there are some key things in this chapter that offer a great deal of hope. And we're, I'm excited to be able to look at those with you together. Hosea chapter 14, verse number 1, the Bible said, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew upon Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. 
they shall receive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fig tree. From me is thy fruit found. Then the writer of Hosea says this, Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressor shall fall therein. Let's pray. Father, we do ask you this morning that you illumine your scripture. I pray, God, that we may glean and gain from it those things that would would and can be uh, applied to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in seeing this hope. Lord, that we might find confidence, that we might find joy. Lord, that we might find rest. Lord, we ask you that you would help us as we look into this, give us clarity of thought, and open our hearts and minds. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the last section of Hosea, Hosea gives an ancient Israelite history lesson. If you were to go back and look at chapter number 12 and chapter number 13, you're going to see that Hosea begins to walk Israel through an Israelite history lesson of how that the family has been unfaithful from the beginning. And it's important that we understand that and that it, it, it becomes applied to us because we know that we are not faithful, that we are unfaithful in many ways. So therefore, we can see ourselves. But as Hosea begins to call out this unfaithfulness of the Israelites and showing them a history lesson, he alludes to the patriarch Jacob. And he remembers his lying and his treachery. Uh, he calls their attention back to what we would find in the story of Genesis chapter 27 and Genesis chapter 28. How that he was deceitful. How that he was a liar. In fact, the, the very name Jacob means deceitful. He was he was deceitful in several different ways and several different times in his life. He not only alludes to the patriot Jacob, but he also alludes to Israel's rebellion in the wilderness. And we can find that throughout the book of Numbers. How that they were unfaithful. How that they were rebellious. How many times did we find them murmuring? How many times did we find them making the statement, would that we would have stayed in Egypt? They, they wanted to go back under slavery rather than, than having God direct them with a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, give them water to drink, and give them food from the air. 
How could they see all of these blessings and yet be rebellious? Well, how can we see all the blessings we see and yet be rebellious against God? How can we breathe God's air? How can we drink God's water? How can we eat God's food and yet be rebellious against God? But we're the same. We're the same as they are. He not only alludes to Jacob, he not only alludes to Israel's rebellion in the wilderness, but he alludes to their appointing a corrupt king by the name of Saul who led the people into sin and disaster. And you can find those stories in the book of 1 Samuel. How that he did those things that weren't right in the sight of God. What did, what did God want for Israel? God wanted for Israel to look to him as their king. But then they wanted other kings. They wanted kings like other nations. So he gave them what they desired and they gave him, uh, they appointed Saul. This is all Hosea's way of saying, <laughs> and, 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 and if you look at the history of Israel, it's Hosea's way of saying some things never change. Some things never change. I can almost, if he would have had the book of Judges, I can almost hear Hosea saying, look at Judges. For they would get in trouble, they would cry out to God, God would send a judge, God would deliver them, they would do that which was right in their own eyes, they would get in trouble, they would cry out to God, God would send a judge, that God would bring them out of what they were in, they would... Praise God for a moment, and then they would enter back into doing what was right in their own eyes. And yet so many times we look at that and we think, how could people do that? Well, how can we do it? Over and over, we do it in our own lives. So what what is the hope that we find in the book of Hosea? What is it that we see in the book of Hosea? Well, if you were to go back to chapter number 3, and we looked at this in the beginning of Hosea, if you were to to go back to chapter number 3, you would find out that God is going to do something in order to save and in order to restore His people. And that's what these concluding chapters expose. That's what it tells us. The last chapter is about hope in the future. We saw the hope for Israel. We saw the hope for Israel two different times. We saw how that God had uh, showed us a, a major love in an unfaithful marriage. We saw how that God showed a major love of a father for a son. Well, this morning we want to look at the major love of a righteous God for His people. Hosea calls on Israel to repent and to turn back to their God. But he knows that it will not last because it has not lasted in the past. He understands that some things never change. Man fell and man continues to fall. Man fell into sin and man continues to sin. He understood and he knows that there is not a man 
that is alive that you and I see that is going to be faithful to the end. They're going to fail. You and I are going to fail. And God reminds us of that. God says that one day He will heal their waywardness and He will love them freely. He tells us that. And we're going to see that as we look into chapter number 14. God goes on to describe that this new healed Israel will be like a lush tree. It will grow roots that will be deep. The, the, it will be broad branches. These broad branches will provide shade. These broad branches will not only provide shade, but they will provide fruit. And they will not only do that, but here's, here's the great thing. That all of that will be provided for all nations. Recall when we did our introduction to this study that we're going through in the Minor Prophets, how that there were key things that they always talked about. They were always given the Word of God. They were always taking Israel back to show them what God had done for them, especially in the Exodus. Then they were alluding to God's faithfulness to Israel, but one thing that always is concluded in each of these minor prophets is that that hope that is given is not only a hope for Israel, but it is a hope for all nations. And that's what we're going to see. It is the image of God's promise to Abraham. What did God promise Abraham? God said, in thee shall all nations be blessed. You and I understand scripture. You and I know that that blessing is not through a nation. It is through a person. It is not because that someone is a Jew. It is because of Jesus. Now, if Israel was to become a blessing to all nations, God is saying that if that is ever going to happen, it is going to require an act of God. You see, man is always unfaithful. Man always fails. Man is faulty. So if there is going to be a blessing to all nations, if there's going to be a blessing to Israel, that is going to require not an act of man, but an act of God. And as we understand that it's going to require an act of God, it's going to require His grace and His healing power to repair the deep brokenness and sinful selfishness of the hearts of human. All of this is so that God can bestow His love on man so that man in turn can love Him. It's all about God's loving us. It's all about what God has given us that we in turn might love Him. 
This is why God promises that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Before we get into the outline, after the poem is concluded, after the uh, statements are made in chapter number 14, the very last words that the writer of the book of Hosea gives are like an appended note. It is as if the author who has collected the poetry of Hosea and put all of that together now speaks to the reader for just a second. He says, Who is wise and discerning to understand all of this? All of this what? All of this poetry that Hosea has Mentioned all of this poetry that Hosea has given. Who's wise to understand this? He says, The ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So the author wants us to know that Hosea's ancient poetry to northern Israel is not just for their day. It is for our day. It is, it is applicable to us as we look at the book of Hosea. It reveals the deep truth about God's character and God's purpose. While God should and does bring justice on human evil, His ultimate purpose his ultimate goal in all that he has done throughout the centuries is that his heart is to heal and to save his people. So with that being said, I want us to consider as we look at chapter number 14, I want us to consider several things that we find in this chapter about major love of a righteous God for his people. Spurgeon makes this statement of, about verse number one. He says this, Behold the judge, instead of putting on his black cap to pronounce doom and death, he stretches out his hands to the condemned and in the tones of pity and cries, he cries, Israel, return." Let me ask you this question. In, in what we know about Hosea, in what we know about what we've seen about Israel's history, what would we have done had we been God? What would we have done with Israel? I, I told you last week or the week before, if I were, were, if I were God, I would have pinched my head off a long time ago. Because I know how unfaithful I am. I know how forgetful I am. I know how unjust I am. And yet He is just. He is faithful. He is righteous. And in His faithfulness, in His righteousness, in His love, and in His mercy, I find rest. Why? Because He is who He is. Not because I am who I am, 
but because He is who He is. I want us to see in verse number 3, I want us to see first of all that this God, this righteous God, is an adoptive God. Look at what he says in verse number 3. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon the horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless find mercy. He's an adoptive God. You and I who are saved by the grace of God, you and I who have experienced the grace of God in our lives have been adopted into a family. That adoption will never be overturned. That adoption will never change. Why? Because God will never change. And the God who loved us and adopted us will not return us for a refund. Why? What did God see in us? It is not what God saw in us. It is what God saw in Jesus Christ that gave us adoption. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the only begotten of God. You and I are adopted into the family of God. We are the fatherless. And He comes and adopts us. And calls us His Son. What did the Bible tell us? To as many as believe on Him, they have the power to become what? The sons of God. Thor has nothing on me. Thor's mythical. He's supposed to be the son of a mythical God. I am the son of the true, living, and righteous God. And so are you if you've been saved by the grace of God. What a blessing. What a hope that we have that we can hold to that we have an adoptive God. Look at what he tells us in verse number 4. He says here in verse number 4, I will heal their backsliding. So we not only have an adoptive God, but we have a healing God. What do we do? We continue to fail. And yet God continues to heal. God tells us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, He said that He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. If we confess to Him, He's faithful and He's just. We have seen that He is righteous. We have seen that He is right. We have seen that He is faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. There is nothing that we could ever do that God would not and has not already forgiven us of. What a God that would adopt us, that would heal us. Look at what he continues to say in verse number 4. He said, I will heal their backsliding 
He said, I will love them freely. <laughs> Do you get that? He loves us because He chooses to love us. He loves us freely. He loves us without reservation. He loves us without condition. He loves us freely. Because He chooses to love us. How much more do we need to see than to understand that a thrice holy God loves you and me with a love that only He can love with. It does not matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how hard we, we, we try to put forth the effort. You and I cannot love unconditionally. We just can't do it. It's not in us. God loves freely and unconditionally. God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. His Son loves us so much that His Son freely laid His life down for you and I. What love. What unconditional love. He loves us freely. Did God know that I would fail Him? Yes, He knew I would fail Him. Did God know I would continue to sin? Yes, God knew I would continue to sin. But yet He chose to love me. No matter how hard we try, we cannot love in this temporal body. We cannot love the way God loves in His righteousness. God is righteous. God is right. And we're going to see that in just a moment in these scriptures. But in God's justice and God's righteousness, God loves righteously. He loves unconditionally. Not only that, but look at what he continues to say in verse number 4. And he said, For my anger is turned away from him. Not only do we have an adoptive God, a healing God, a loving God, but we have a merciful God. Did God have every right to be angry with man? Yes. Absolutely. We, we, you don't have to think very long to answer that question. God had every right to be angry. God had every right to wipe us off the face of this earth. God had every right to start all over again and do what God so chose to do. But He did not do that. He was merciful unto us. The anger that he has displayed, the anger that we saw in the book of Hosea, that anger, he says, I will turn mine anger from them. I will not be angry at them anymore. He's a merciful God. Look at what he tells us in verse number 5 and verse number 6. I will be as the dew upon Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his root as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. 
Not only is God an adoptive God, not only is God a healing God, a loving God, a merciful God, but God is a nourishing God. What does every plant need to grow? It needs sunshine. And it needs water. It's got to have water. To have deep roots, it's got to have some water. What did God tell us here in this verse? He said, I will be as the dew upon Israel. What did He tell us? What did, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well? Those that drink of Me shall never thirst again. He's a well that he's, he's an artesian well. There's no need for a pump. There's no need for drawing. It is there. The water is there. All you have to do is drink. And you can drink of him freely. Not only that, but he said he would give them the nourishment they needed. He would give them what they needed in order to grow. He said, He shall grow as the lily. Cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. All that we see in this is that God is going to nourish us. How does God nourish us? He nourishes us through his word. Through his spoken word. Through his written word. Through his, his implied word in our life. Through God writing his law upon our hearts. We have God that nourishes us. But look at what he tells us in verse number 7. They that dwell under the shadows shall return. They shall receive as the corn and grow the vine, as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Not only is he an adoptive, healing, loving, merciful, nourishing God, but he is a bountiful God. What does the book of Proverbs tell us? That daily He loadeth us with His benefits. Yes. <laughs> you and I have nothing outside of God. Yeah. We don't. You, you and I, we may say that it was by the works of our hands that we were able to have the homes that we have, but if it were not God for God giving us the, the, the ability and the, the, the know-how to be able to function, to do those jobs, we would not have what we have. Every good and perfect gift comes where? From the Lord. You and I... You and I did not accomplish what we've accomplished because we're some great feat. I don't care how entrepreneurial you are. I don't care how, in, in, in how much initiative that you show forth. It is God who is bountiful upon us. It is God who gives us. It is God who allows us. It is God who keeps us. It is God who provides for us. And we see this because of the kind of God. We see this in the character of who God is. This is what He is. He's not only hope for Israel, but He's hope for us. 
He's not only hope for us, but He's hope for my grandchildren. He's hope for my great-grandchildren. He's hope for generations to come. He is the only hope that there is. He does all this because of what we see in verse number 9. It said, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. Everything God does, everything God allows is right. Why? Because God can be nothing less. He can't be. He ensures that His people will walk in His ways. Is that not what He tells us in verse number 9? The Lord is right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressor shall fall therein. The sinful continue to be sinful because they're falling at, they're stumbling over the fact that God is right. What is it that the grace of God reveals to us and makes us know that you and I become His children? The key thing is that we know God is right and we are wrong. God is right. It is in His rightness that we find rest. And it is in His rightness that we continue to walk in. Do times become difficult? Yes. Do we face hard times? Yes. There's probably not a family in here this morning. There's not an individual in here this morning that doesn't face some kind of trial, that doesn't face some kind of something that is going on in their lives, even now at this time. And yet in the midst of all of that, God is right. And it is the fact that God is right and that you and I rest in the rightness of God, that you and I can continue on. That we can, and and if I'm not careful, I'm going to get into tonight's message. But it is because of that that we continue. It is because of who He is. What did God do that He promised here in chapter number 14? He sent forth His Son, made of woman, to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. A right God made us right with Him by reconciling us to Him through His Son on the cross of Calvary. If you can't find hope and rest in that, You're still stumbling in your unrighteousness. That is hopeful. That is 
That is a tremendous truth. And if God reveals that to your heart, therein is the grace of God revealed. The truth that God is right and in all that God does, He is right. Thank God that we have that kind of a God that you and I can see His rightness, His blessings, His his adoptiveness, the things that we went through, those things that God has for us and to us in our lives. Let's pray.